church. Looks, looks like I've raced the kids. Let me try that again. Good morning. That was uh, such a hyped intro. I wasn't exactly sure if I was running like a, uh, some sort of a love dating show. You know, when I grew up, there was a great show on TV called Perfect Match. Can anyone actually remember that? I don't even know why I watched it, because it was really, um, I didn't actually like the show, but somehow I managed to, uh, actually maybe I did like it, because I seemed to connect into it, I remember heaps about it. But uh, today it is wonderful to have you with us. For those of you uh, who attended during what I'd only call public holidayville, or school holidayville over the last four weeks, uh, we had a wonderful series on what's so amazing about grace. I know that uh, for those of us who presented, it was really inspiring to actually open up the scriptures, uh, read Philip Yancey's book again about what's so amazing about grace, and just be inspired by the type of God that we serve. Uh, just an incredible God. But today, um, I'm kicking off the series about love dates and heartbreaks. I wasn't quite sure there for a while. My dad always said to me, Sean, you're a little too uh, jovial when it comes to dating. He would always be trying to encourage me to be love dates and handbrakes because uh, I was sort of always just full in and uh, he would sort of like be slow down, son. So while it does say heartbreaks, um, I keep remembering handbrakes as well because uh, uh, for me, uh, when it came to love, uh, I just... I'm just one of those sort of people that jumps in, head and shoulders and feet and everything else. And uh, probably why girls get frightened off by me, to be honest. It's hard to believe, but it's true. Um, but uh, for me, I would call myself a late bloomer. Now, I used to watch kids at school and they would start dating quite young. And I'd be like, why? Like, I actually thought girls were pretty yuck up until the age of about 12. And then, I don't know what happened when I got to high school, my eyes opened, and it was like, whoa, <laughs> what was I missing out on the entire primary school? Uh, because the only form of love that I had in primary school was for sport, and uh, that was a good thing. But then, I met a girl at a summer camp, and I thought, she's pretty nice. Not only good to look at, but she was actually a nice person, and a few weeks after that, I started dating her best friend. <laughs> Just call me weird. Like, to be honest with you, that poor girl was like, what? I'm like, who knows this brain? Really hard, really hard to fathom it. But uh, I, it was the perfect relationship for me because she lived 350 kilometers away. And Neil, it wasn't your sister at this point. She was 350 kilometers away, and my dating involved writing on a piece of paper. You guys down here, do you know what that is? Writing on a piece of paper, and I would actually go and spend 30 cents, and I would mail a letter to her once a week. And I want to tell you, as a boy, as a male, to write something on paper is incredible. Like, it's better than the best gift that anyone could buy because 
just to write. But the thing that I got frustrated by is she would then write back and it was like she had verbal diarrhea of the hand. It was pages and pages and pages. And while I would read it, I would, I would get distracted and wander off and hit a golf ball or play with tennis or do something. And I'd go back and read the next epistle uh, that she would send me. And, and my parents said, you may ring her once a week once a week for 10 minutes because Telstra had a fantastic deal. It's hard to believe how cheap phone calls were when Dale and I grew up. Telstra had an amazing deal. You could actually ring for 10 minutes for a dollar. Well, it was cheap then. Uh, Now, you guys don't know what it is. I mean, I don't even know if you use the telephone to ring anyway, but I would ring for 10 minutes and my mum and dad were the gatekeepers of my relationship. They would actually, dad would have a clock and we didn't have one of those phones that had Bluetooth or anything crazy good. I would actually have this big dangly long thing and I would hide in the pantry, which is quite good because I got to figure out what I was going to eat after I spoke to her. And, and then we would talk and it was just the most marvelous thing in the whole week. I'd get 10 minutes to talk. And, uh, and it's so hard when you only get to speak for 10 minutes a week because you only just get through the introductions and my dad's knocking on the door. 33 seconds to go. And I'd have, he would actually hang it up if it got to 9 minutes 59 because he wasn't going to pay another dollar. So, so my parents' investment in my love was a dollar a week and 30 cents for the postage stamp. To visit her, I would have to get on the train uh, the XPT, and uh, I'd get out of a day at school, but I'd have to make sure I was fully up on all my homework. And about once every three months, I would go up and see her uh, in country New South Wales. Well, I thought she was the one. I thought, it doesn't get any better than this. Like, 10-minute phone call, a little letter, not an epistle. Uh, and I thought, she's the one. But I want to tell you in life, relationships are complicated. They are. Any of us who are either in a relationship or perhaps you've been in a relationship and you're no longer in a relationship or perhaps you're looking to start a relationship or maybe you're at the end of a relationship and it's, it's just falling apart, relationships are complicated. And I want to testify today that I was a late bloomer to start having relationships and I still, to this day, struggle to make sure that I put the time and energy into creating a good relationship. Uh, I love people, but the problem with me in relationships is I I just, Cara calls me feeding the chooks. Can I come to church on Saturday? Um, Cara just wants to talk to one person. And then she's had a good day. And she'll just be happy to just speak to one. And the guy over here who likes to feed the chooks, I like to go around and meet as many people as I can. And uh, Kara's like, you're so strange. Just go and do, feed the chooks. Uh, so if you see me coming to say good day, try and at least put up with me for those three or four minutes because it's just in my nature. I just like to meet people. But relationships are complicated 
when you're constantly wanting to make lots and lots of people. God created each one of us to be in relationship. I believe that absolutely 100%. It was why Adam in the Garden of Eden looked around after naming the animals and he said to God, where's my partner? And God then forms Eve from the ground using one of his ribs. We were created and we are created to be in relationships. Whether it is boy and girl or girl and girl and boy, whether it is a mate relationship, whether it is an engaged couple, whether it is a husband and a wife, whether it is just two best friends, we were created to be in relationship. But the reality is, God knows that relationships aren't always easy. And over the next few weeks, um, Pastor Sarah and Pastor Neil, uh, Rick, uh, David Nusky and myself will actually be presenting about the different aspects of relationships in God. Because if there's one thing that I know that God wants to tear apart and break apart, it is relationships. Absolutely, I have no doubt of it because God forms each one of us to be in relationship and the devil knows it. The devil wants to tear that apart. And I believe that so strongly. So today, I will actually be kicking off about the two myths the two myths that we have in our society today about relationships. And I would actually suggest to you they're not good myths, but they're myths that our, that our culture and our society bombard us with on a daily basis. Before we begin, let's pray. Dear Lord in heaven, I want to thank you uh, for each of, the, each of the people here today. Uh, we have been blessed this morning with incredible music. Uh, it was just beautiful. It just felt like it was just incredible worship. And uh, Lord, right now, I pray that uh, you help me with my nerves and uh, help us to zone in on you. Amen. There are two myths. Because when we watch TV, you can spend a couple of hours watching a TV show and all it is about is boy, girl, most of the time, and, and they're trying to work out whether they're going to get together. And then all of a sudden, something comes in the middle and pulls them apart. And then at the end of the two hours, miraculously, they end up together. And if it's an American movie, they'll get married. And about 30 seconds later, they're pulling a pram. And, and, and that is the type of relationships that undermine our relationship that God wants for us today. Because it paints a picture of a relationship, no matter who they are or what they are, if there's enough connection, things are just going to be happy for the rest of your life. And it, it focuses more about two people falling in love. And, and the reality is, when we have two different heartbeats, a male and a female being attracted to each other, it wouldn't matter who it is, you could be connected and fall in love. But the thing that I want us to zone in on today is the fact that God actually wants us to be in a constant, a continual, a committed relationship. And that's the hard bit. Because that's the bit that involves the highs and the lows, the good and the bad. And that's the type of relationship that is real. It's the type of relationship that inspires us 
when you go to someone's 70th wedding anniversary and think, how is that possible? And yet they have loved each other as much from the day they met their 70th wedding anniversary twice. It's incredible. And that is the type of love that I want to direct us to. Watching people make relationships decisions that undermine their relationship is what good TV is all about. Have you thought that through? Have you ever seen that work out for anyone else? There are two things in our world today that bad relationships create. Hurt to yourself and hurt to the other person. If we continue to live under the fallacy that everything will be okay all the time, and that instant love that we had for each other at the beginning is going to hold us through, we're living a lie. Because the reality is, each one of us here knows that unless you invest into your relationship, things will go south. You'll end up with regret. And I know from my own personal story, having been through divorce, it is a horrible, horrible place to be. Each day, I still think about what could have I done better? What did I do wrong? I remember someone saying to me, Sean, you, and, and he was one of my best mates, he's not a Christian guy, and he said to me, mate, I know you're going through a tough time. This was a few years ago. I know you're going through a tough time, but I want to give you some advice. And I said, Shane, what's your advice? And he said, mate, you need to treat her with the same respect. Even though this is painful and you guys are you know, going to end up divorced, you need to treat her with the same respect as the first day you met her. I want to tell you, that's a challenge. Because our society says, dispose of, start again, move on. Everything will be good. But that's not the world we live in, and it's not the God that we serve. My ex-wife today, I still treat her with the same respect as the day I met her. When Jai tries to play games, as 18-year-old boys do, I say, what did mum say? Oh, no, mum said this. <laughs> no worries. I'll just give your mum a quick read. And all of a sudden, it's amazing how his view of what his mum said changes. Because he knows that from the get-go, there has been one parenting rule for Jai, not two. There has always been one. So when somebody like Kara, who came into my life, I had to actually tell her the true story. I couldn't actually just fake it till I made it and say that, hey, I am a perfect human being. <laughs> Look at me. I mean, how can't you love this bad boy? <laughs> well, she didn't really love me that much. Uh, but she was like, what is your story? And there is a truth to the fact of that story that you hold whether it is from in your dating or perhaps in marriage, that you need to be consistent and it needs to be a real story, not a made-up story. Otherwise, you're just a plain hypocrite. And you'll go into your next relationship as a hypocrite. Let me just stop for a moment. I just want to zone in on the boys. And I'm sure that the ladies and girls, you'll agree with this. My grandfather taught me... So this is Grandfather Berkeley on my dad's side. He taught me from a young age how to treat a woman. 
And the reason that the way that he taught me was not through words, but through his actions. Because he was an absolute, as I shared with you guys last week, he was an absolute gentleman. He would open the door for her. He would always, if it had to do with lifting things, he would always say, no, Ivy, that's my job. I do that. Uh, When it came to hanging out the washing, he'd be hanging out the washing. When it came to cooking together, he'd be there cooking. When it came to washing up, he had his hands dirty. If the the, uh, vacuuming needed doing, he had his hands and feet in there. So when I grew up with my dad, guess what? He demonstrated that same time of consistent, active action of love. And for me, I follow that exact same model. I'm still praying that my kids learn that model. But it's a model that I grew up with because my grandfather was a gentleman. And my dad was a gentleman. And I too want to be a gentleman. And if there's one thing that in our society today that we blokes stuff up is that we're not gentlemen to women. There are too many stories of men being abusive with their time and money and physicality to women. And that is not being a gentleman. It's being an abuser. If we're to demonstrate the love that God the Father has taught Adam and Eve and taught all the other men in history is that we should be gentlemen. I want to say that there's a young man here who once came and asked Cara and I, could we date your daughter? Coop, we never forgot it from the point of view that you are an example to all these other men in here because you actually came and asked. And a lot of boys would be thinking, nah, that's old school. You're not getting married. No, you're not. But what you demonstrated is what it means to be a gentleman from the get-go. You learned that from your dad. He learned that from his dad. You'll teach your boys to do that one day. That is what a gentleman does. So boys, learn to be gentlemen. Men, constantly be a gentleman to the women in your life. The second thing is, ladies, the unfortunate thing with men in our society today is that our society, our advertising, the way that we sell products is through sexualizing our ladies and women. It's okay when it's someone else's daughter or if it's someone else's woman, or if it's someone else's, but if it was your own daughter or wife, we blokes would go, ah, ah, like, back off, that's wrong. I'll fight for that. But in our society, we have turned women into commodities. Shame on our society, because that is not the model of God. That is the model of a society that has lost the value of what women are. And women are incredibly valued And ladies, if any man, girls, if any boy or man treats you like a commodity, they are not worth hanging around with. Get them out of your life. Dispose them because they're garbage. And they're living under the umbrella in their mindset that apparently that's okay, and it's not. It is completely wrong. The first myth that I want to share with you today is this. 
and it's called the right person myth. Now, when I first met that first young lady that I dated, oh, it was good. It was so good. In fact, today, I quite like her as a person. She's a good person. But the reality is, I thought she was the one. Now, not too many 17-year-olds are going to think that way, but I'm just hand, feet, boots and all in. And I thought, she's the right one. But you know what? In our world today, one of the greatest myths that society puts upon us is that that person is the right one. Once you meet the right person, everything will be all right. It's like almost we think within that human being that we think is the right person, all of our problems will be solved and fixed. And it's an absolute load of garbage. The reason we can say that is because in society, if we begin to fall out of love, we start to say to ourselves, well, the myth that this is the right person is wrong. I need to find another right person. And the cycle of dysfunction continues. And it continues. And it continues. It's not the model of God. It's the model of society that says, when you're finished with that product, dispose of it and start again. Once I find them, everything will be just fine. You think everything's going to be fine, including you. There's a song by Casey Musgrave, and she sings a song, and it says, thinking will be fixed by someone else. That's never going to work. It will fuel fantasies, but not reality. There's more to a satisfying relationship than finding or being found. That's the myth that our society puts upon the minds of many of our young people and many of our middle-aged people and many of our older people. The myth that there is one right person. Now, I don't want to go away from the fact, because we're going to look at the scripture in a minute, that God when we fall in love with God and we find someone that has fallen in love with God, God becomes the glue that can make an imperfect man and an imperfect woman fall in love, be committed and prepared for a relationship for eternity. I 100% believe that. But if it is just based on physicality, it's just based on on, on what the ideals of our society are teaching us, then it is a myth and it'll fall apart. The second myth is called the promise myth. A promise replaces the need for preparation. You know, in life, I've played on a lot of sporting teams, but I've never had a coach that's come up to me and says, I promise today that you're going to win this cricket game. And we're like, like, how can you promise that, coach? No, I promise today you're going to win. If we tried to live our lives and our relationships by just a promise, then we're heading for disaster. Because the reality is, when I do marriage counselling with couples, they 
often will come up with their own promises or vows. And I'll often stop and I'll say to them, what does this vow mean? Well, a vow is a promise. I promise to love you for the rest of my life. I promise to care for you through thick and thin, good and bad. I promise to make you number one in my life. And then after a period of time, the relationship begins to crumble and it can fall apart. So it has to be more than a promise. It has to be more than a promise. There is a little phrase, and I'd like to read it to you. Saying I do doesn't make a person capable. It only makes you accountable. When you're accountable, but not capable, you'll be miserable. If you're not being prepared, if you're not preparing, you won't be prepared. This is what the Bible instructs us to do. Are you the person the person is looking for? There's a story of a young woman who was in her early 20s and she went out uh, to a party and it was a Christian party and they were just hanging out, they were doing their thing and uh, the young lady came home and she was talking to her mum and her mum's ironing and uh, as she's ironing, she said, oh, tell me about last night. Oh, I had the best night last night, uh, mum. I met a young guy. In fact, he even leads the Bible study group. He's a new Christian. He was telling his story. Uh, it was totally engaging. And uh, I reckon he'd be the one. Uh, I'd like to hang out with him a whole lot more. And uh, that's good, honey. And, uh, and um, I think I'd like to get, him no- get to know him more. And she stopped, the mum, and she said to her daughter, are you sure that he'd be interested in you? And the daughter said to him, what do you mean? I'm a pretty good person. There's a difference between you and him. The young man that you've described is a young man who's in love with God. And for 20 years, I've never seen you put your hand up and make a commitment to Jesus. So what would you be offering him? And that young girl fell on the ground, completely deflated. Mum wasn't trying to hurt her. Mum was just trying to share a reality with her. The life that she was preparing for was a life that was all focused on herself. Up till that point. Whereas the young man that this 20-year-old girl was describing was a young man who was preparing for eternity. How would those two ever connect for life? The mum was right. Because you see, when it comes to being a Christian, there's a completely new paradigm. It's a compelling paradigm. And it's found in John 15 and verses 1 to 12. If you've got your phones or your Bibles, grab them. Uh, So John chapter 15 and verses 1 to 12. And it is a story about a vine and some branches. Now, this story was written during a time where people were into agriculture a lot more than I am. I can't even keep my avocado tree alive. But these people knew how to look after their vines. And we're going to learn a little bit about this, about this grapevine. And it is an excellent story and it's compelling 
because it directs us to the type of relationship that will actually allow us to thrive in our society today. John 15 and verse 1, the Bible says, and this is Jesus speaking, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. It's good for you to see it and describe it. The vine, the great vine that Jesus is describing, he's saying, I am the vine. And my father, God, is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Why? The goal of a vine is to produce healthy fruit. And Jesus' goal was to explain how people can connect to God through him. We at the moment have a lemon tree. And the people who had owned our house, I'm going to guess years prior, had put a lemon tree in. And I actually don't like lemons that much. Uh, They're okay, but we can give them away to people. But I had someone come around the other day and they said, there's something wrong with your lemon tree. I'm like, yeah, it's a lemon tree. I wish it was a mandarin tree. And I said, no, no, you've let these branches grow where they need to be cut off. And I said to him, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? He said, well, your lemon tree could produce so many more lemons if you just got rid of some of the excess branches in the lemon tree. And I was like, really? I have to produce more fruit that I don't already like? No, no, I understood. I need to produce more fruit. And I was like, really? And I said, but I don't understand. And, and this is the great thing about this story, that in life there are aspects that do need to be cut out of our relationships in life. Because to produce better fruit and more fruit, there are aspects of our life that need trimming off. And, and the, the good thing about it is, I, I don't know where I should even begin to cut this tree, but the person that came and spoke to me does. He's the gardener. And that's what God is in this story. It is God that does the trimming. Not you. And certainly not your friends. God is the one that directs bits of our lives that we need cut out. Thank goodness for that. Well, as we keep reading, the Bible tells us in verse 2, while every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be more fruitful. Thank goodness for that. The goal is fruit bearing fruitfulness and by the way your life and my life produces and bears fruit it's your reputation it's the outcomes and the results of your decisions and the reality is not all fruit is good we are learning that as well because we're on a property where people put in some trees and we've got this tree called a stone no, it's called a star fruit. Some of you know what a star fruit? Yeah, like, um, you're welcome to come to our house and pick them all the time. Like they're sour in my opinion. They're like lemons. But this year, last year, they were actually quite good. But this year, they got a black spot in them. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but every single star fruit we pick off and we end up throwing it into the garden. Because if you're not looking after the fruit, it's going to produce nothing. And that's where my tree's at at the moment. The Bible continues in verse 4, Remain in me and I will remain in you. The old King James says, Abide in me and I will also abide in you. This is the type 
this is a verse that is incredibly powerful because it is saying the God that we serve wants to abide, wants to remain, wants to be in relationship with you and me. And if we want to produce good fruit, we need to be connected to the vine, which is Jesus. We need to have the gardener, which is God, tendering to the fruit that is on that tree. We need to have a gardener like God who looks and says, you know, those bits and pieces are bad and rotten and they need chopping off. This is an incredible part of the story. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Stay connected to me and follow me. Then he tells us why. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. A branch looks to the vine for life and health. And here's the application. Verse 4. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. He goes on to say that if you disconnect, you're like a branch that withers. Then he defines what he means by fruit in the next statement. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So remaining in, lo- remaining in God's love and the connection that we can have with God is incredible. The secret, I believe, that comes from this passage about having not a dysfunctional, but a positive relationship with someone else, a positive relationship with a boy and a girl or a girl and a boy, an engaged couple, a married couple, a single person, friendship person, is that we have a secret as Christians because as Christians, we have an incredible vine that we can be connected to and that's Jesus. When things aren't going perfectly well and right in our lives, we have a gardener in God the Father who will assist to make sure that we produce much fruit. And the thing that we are guided to the whole way through is to remain in his love. Remain in his love. Chapter 15 and verse 11. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. One of the saddest things in any of our lives is to go from a point where we've been in a relationship that's full of joy. Where things have fallen apart and we end up in a relationship that's full of pain and sorrow. I believe it is only through God that we can find that joy. Because the Bible just told us in verse 11 that the reason we want to be in that joy is so that our joy may be complete. And we'll finish with verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. The kind of person that Jesus leads his followers to become is the kind of person we're all ultimately looking for and ultimately want to become. Let me just read that to you one more time, just to let it sink in. The kind of person 
Jesus leads his followers to become. He's the kind of person we're all ultimately looking for and ultimately wanting to become. Next week, Pastor Neil will actually continue in our series talking about the fine print, digging a little bit deeper into how we can build the best type of romantic, loving relationship that we can have. When we leave today, I'm sure the kids are going to want these, but uh, you're all going to be given a packet of Oreos. Not sponsored by Dale today, because they're the foreign company, but uh, you got the mini Oreos. Aren't they tiny? Like, there's no calories in these, because they're so small. Um, But I want to tell you that in any relationship, it takes more than two. See, the man and the woman, do it this way, and the woman, you know, we come as the biscuits. But there needs to be something that's sweet, that actually holds the relationship together. That cream that is in between the biscuits, as a Christian, I believe is Jesus. That is the thing that actually holds our relationship together. It's what makes it whole. We're now going to invite Plates and the band to come up and sing for us one last song. But uh, as you get your bickies today, I just want you to think about what keeps our relationship whole and that relationship is Jesus. As we sing this last song together, I invite you to stand with us as we place our hope in a Father who loves us and has given us his wisdom to follow in the Bible. Thank you, Sean, for that message this morning. Peace for my soul. 